0: All of us in this room have difficulty at times with change. We we get settled in in a routine, in a lifestyle, in a contentment, and then change comes and messes with us. Two weeks ago, I came into, on a Sunday morning, I came in at my normal time and I uh, Began my routine, and I met with the pastoral staff at 810 in the conference room. We've been doing that for over a decade. 810, about 520 times in the last 120 months. And I sat down with them, and I said, does anybody here know why we meet at 810? And they looked at each other and said, we have no idea. I said, you don't have any idea why we meet at 810. You really don't have any idea. No. Well, I don't either. <laughs> and honestly, I said, why, why are we doing this? And, and we began to think back, and, and I, we, we think we figured out that when we used to have an early morning service, we would meet at 8.10 so that we could start at 8.30, and we never changed it because it was the routine. So I said, why don't we change it? And so last week, I came in here on my regular schedule, and and did the things I need to do and ran around and building check things and whatever. Then at 8, 10, I, I hurried to the conference room and no one was there. And then I remembered, routine has changed. It is really important for us that whatever routine we're in, that we really have a strong why. Why are we doing this? So as we sit here today... We need to understand that if we have made a commitment to Jesus to be a Christ follower, that we've got to be ready for a changeable routine. I remember listening to a, to a man speak who had, uh, he, was, he was a man who traveled the world and, and shared who Jesus is in really tough places. And, and, he, and he went into this one place and they were having a baptismal service and there were people seated that were going to be baptized that would begin to declare that, that their faith was in Jesus as Lord over everything. And this was a nation that had multi-gods. And, and my, my friend was looking at, at, at this group of, of people getting ready to be baptized, and he said to the pastor, why is that girl right there, why, why does she have a suitcase? And he said, well, she knows that the moment she is baptized, she is now disowned from her family, and she has nowhere to go, and she has a new life. If we are truly followers of Jesus, it is more than this religious thing that we do on Sunday morning. It really means that we need to be ready with our suitcase packed because he's going to change us. That we must have a changeable routine and know why. Because what made sense to us before we connected with Jesus may not make sense and may be the very thing that blocks us from the path that he has created for us to walk. So the disciples, after Jesus was raised from the grave, decided to go back to the routine. They just didn't know what to do. Jesus showed up. Right after, and then he was gone, and they didn't know what to do, so they started to head back to their routine. But you know that when Jesus showed up again in his resurrection body, and he said to them, I want you to go to Jerusalem, but but that's not our routine. No, no, you go back to Jerusalem. And I want you to wait. How long? It doesn't matter how long. You just go. I'm telling you, go there, but it's not part of my routine. But you still need to go there because I'm sending to you A gift from the Father. And the day that that gift arrived, which was the very power that catapulted Jesus from the grave. Now understand, the gift was that power that lifted him out of being dead and alive again. And when he, this one they would call the Holy Spirit, roared into that room and flashed this flame and exploded inside of them, and spoke through them, do you think they said, well, everything's normal, back to the routine? No, they said, no, 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 this means everything has changed. And do we dare sit here today and believe that this Jesus that we have just sung about and worshipped, this one who then said to them, here's what's going to happen to you, I'm going to send you into the parts of the world that you never thought you would arrive at. And, and I'm going to have you connect to people that you never thought you would ever connect to, that you'd never have a relationship with. And, and if that's what he told them, is he not telling us that too? We who, who love our routine and love to settle in, and, and everybody knows that we're a test market here in Erie, Pennsylvania, because we don't like to change. We just don't like change. So part of this community of faith is a girl named Emma Davis and, and Emma actually came to faith in Jesus, and then we baptized her, and, and several ladies in this church have mentored her, and, and it's like Jesus said to her, okay, it's, it's time for you to go to someplace else. So this is Emma, two faces up. Well, we've got her highlighted with the tan there. That's Emma. Emma ended up going with mercy ships to the east side of the African coast, Mercy Ships is a medical hospital in a boat, a large boat, a ship, and, and people who could not necessarily get hospital care, get medical care, now can have that. Emma's part of that. And Emma did know several years ago that when she gave her, her faith into Jesus, that Jesus said, I'm going I'm to take it to some people that you never knew you'd relate to. And there you are, people that you never knew before, people that you never thought you'd connect to. There you are, and places you never thought you'd be. And last week, as was her case, praying away a hurricane that was barreling down. Down on them and it shifted. And see, she begins to understand this whole thing about changeable routine. Faith in Jesus is dynamic. It is not static. So let's say that all of us want to get in better shape. I just saw Ge.O, my friend. he's a trainer. He walked up and said, You want you to come work out with me? And I said, There's just no chance that's going to happen because he'd kill me. So let's say that we decide that, that we're all going to go work out. And so we get a trainer, we get Geo, and, and he's going he's to get us going. And so he's going to work on our cardio, he's going to work on our core. He's going to help develop muscles that have been not used for a while and give us flexibility because we're inflexible right now, and he's going to help us with nutrition so that we really eat good. And so we start, and in a couple of days, we are so stinking sore, we can't stand it. We can't. I mean, you come to church to lift our hands in worship, and we just kind of like to hear because you can't get the arms out. But you push through. We push through, and we get to the spot. We're, we're, we're starting to get past the soreness. We, we, we push through the soreness. We push through the, 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 the great hunger to have our nachos and our cookies and our, our summer guilt of, of a turtle sundae. And, and we eat healthy, and, and we get into the routine, and now it's good. Look at us. We're doing great. And we show up, and Gio says, okay, today we're changing the routine." And we do a different routine, and for the next week, we're sore again. And we say, why are you doing this to us? We were fine with the other routine, and now we're going through this again because Geo understands that the body will adapt to new movement within 6 to 12 weeks, and dynamic growth will stop. So there needs to be new movement, new understandings, and there needs to be new soreness and new understanding of what we are doing, and, and we become strengthened, even further developed than we were before, but we've got to change routine. Growth needs change, and change means discomfort. So we came to faith in Jesus, so many of us in this room, and Jesus changed our routine. And we settled into that routine, and now we're going, okay, I'm good, this is great, waiting for Jesus to show up, and we're good. And Jesus is saying, no, no, I see where you are still inflexible. I still see where you're weak. I still see where you don't have understanding. That's why Paul the Apostle described it this way, and I am certain that God who began the good work within you will continue his work until it is finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. You catch this? He who began working in you, is still working in you. He's not done, and he won't be done until Jesus Christ returns. He's still working. So whether you are 84 or 18, understand, now catch this, what God has been doing into you up to this point is only a prelude of what he's he's about to do. And as long as we're on this earth, God is gonna mess with our life and with our routine. Get ready for change, because it's happening. Our problem is that we build a theology, and let me describe theology. Theology is our understanding of who God is and how we relate to him. And so we build this theology. And and this is what we're going to believe. This is how we came to faith. This is what we know. Maybe this is what we've experienced in life, but we build a theology. What happens then is the theology builds us. Now, everything we do is shaped by this theology. But the problem is that Jesus is not static. He's dynamic, which means that we've got this theology. And he moves over here and says, there's more for you to know. There's more for you to grasp. There's more for you to, to be flexible. in. there's more for you to, to come to grips with. And we say, no, 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 no. I'm good right here. And Jesus says, but, there, there, but, but, but there's more. No, no, no. I'm good with what I have had. Lloyd John Ogilvy says it well when he says, the God of my experience is constantly in competition with my fresh experience of God. This is why Jesus told stories. They're called parables. We've been looking at some. Jesus said, I'm gonna tell you stories because you are so religious that you need to understand why you think that I'm conflicting with your experience of God because I am, because your experience with God is not everything. So people were crowding in To see Jesus. They said, Well, when you teach, you don't say, Rabbi so-and-so says, You say, I say. Where did you get this authority? It's just amazing. And and we see you speaking with, with deep understanding and with powerful action that accompanies it. And so they crowd in to hear him. Now there's these guys, these friends who have a friend who's crippled. He can't walk. So they put him on a litter, and and, and they carry him to the house, and there's so many people, they can't get in. Now, most houses in those days had some stairs that go up the side and, and some kind of roof, and so they go up there, and they tear open the roof, and they lower him down so that Jesus can heal him. And here's what happens. When Jesus saw their faith, he said, Friend, your sins are forgiven. The Pharisees and the teachers of the law began thinking to themselves, who is the fellow who speaks blasphemy? Who can forgive sins but God alone? And Jesus knew what they were thinking and asked, why are you thinking these things in your hearts? Which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up and walk? But that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. He said to the paralyzed man, I tell you, get up, take up your mat, and go home. And immediately he stood up in front of them, took what he'd been been lying on, and went home praising God. Jesus is messing up their faith routine, and Jesus is saying, you need to change your faith routine. And he gives them this bombshell that Jesus can forgive whoever he wants, whenever he wants. Now, I grew up in a, in, in a faith routine that the way that people came to faith in Jesus that I normally saw, because I grew up in a church, was that at the end of a service like this, the pastor would say, every head bowed, every eye closed, would you like to put your faith in Jesus? Raise your hand. Okay, you're done, and that's good, and maybe we'll talk with you or whatever, and then they go. I would also see the Billy Graham Crusades on TV, and that would always be, they would begin to sing what? Just as I am without one plea. And people would come down, and there would be like thousands of people putting their faith in Jesus. That's how that happens. So I'm with a group of guys, and we're we're sitting with a man we just met who is a Muslim, and he is from from another country, and he's high in government. And we're talking about Jesus. And he says this to me. Or to all of us there, he says this, he says, I love Jesus. In fact, I have put my faith in Jesus to forgive me for my sins. I'm not a Christian, I'm a Muslim, but Jesus has forgiven me for my sins. Where is that in my theology? Where is that in my box? It's not there. What am I going to do with that? I have friends who have come to a faith in Jesus who come with issues that shouldn't have to be in my box. I have friends who, when they came to faith to Jesus, were so excited about what Jesus did for them, they went away for the weekend at the beach and got drunk the entire weekend celebrating Jesus. <laughs> Some of you go, which class is that? <laughs> That's not in my box. That is not in my theology box. There's this girl who comes to faith in Jesus, and she shares Jesus with the guys that she hooks up with on the weekends. What do you mean by that? She has sex with them. And and after sex, she tells him about Jesus. Where is that in my theology? It's not there. A friend, a friend who came to Jesus. And, and a year later, he's still struggling with his alcoholism. Where is that? Because I, I, I've got this theology that says it's got to be like this. I have a friend that, that, that tried to grow his, his faith with Jesus, and, and I met him for lunch one day, and he had been to church with us, and, and he was loving the music, and, and, and just really out loud with a booming voice. Now, I'm going to tell you the way he said it somewhat. You'll get, you'll get the idea. He said, man, that was a great service. I love that effing music. Where is that in my box <laughs> theology? I said, Jesus, what do I do with this? And Jesus says, you know, I can forgive who I want, one I want. And so, stretch. Because he also says, at the same time, those people you're concerned with, I'm changing their routine also. So, my alcoholic friend kept just hanging around. And, and one day in his home he had this encounter with Jesus and actually heard Jesus said, I'm setting you free. And at at that moment, he no longer had a desire for a drink. It's just amazing. And and my friends who got drunk on the weekend showed up and said, "Uh, we have a hangover and we're not sure that's part of the thing, so tell us what we do. And I said, well, okay, let me just show you. The scripture says don't be drunk with wine because you get out of control. But instead he says, here's a better thing, be filled with the spirit. What does that mean? Well, let me tell you what that means. And a and girl that had been hooking up, a friend from Community of Faith went to her and said, hey, c- come here. And she sat down and she said, let me just show you what Jesus thinks about everything about life, including our sexual activity. Look at that. And she said, oh, I didn't know. I'm not going to do that anymore. And, and my friend that I met for lunch, he's still struggling to get this Jesus thing down and he still uses words that you're not going to find in worship songs. (laughs) See, right after this healing, Jesus did another crazy thing. He talked to a tax collector. Now, you need to understand that a tax collector is at the top of the list of hated people in Israel because they have become employees of the Roman government and, and even steal from their own people. And Jesus is talking to him. In fact, not just talking to him. Jesus said, would you like to be my disciple? Are you serious? This guy is so thrilled. He says, hey, I'm going to have a dinner, and I want to introduce you to all my friends. So he has Jesus over, and he has this dinner, and you need to understand that his friends contain no Jews because the Jews hate him. So he can only invite the people he knows, and those people are tax collectors. So there's a house full of tax collectors, hated people, and Jesus is there with them. And here's what happened. After this, Jesus went out and saw a tax collector by the name of Levi sitting at his tax booth. Follow me, Jesus said to him, and Levi got up, left everything, and followed him. And then Levi held a great banquet for Jesus at his house, and a large crowd of tax collectors and others were eating with them. And the Pharisees and the teachers of the law who belonged to their sect complained to his disciples, why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? Jesus will go on and say, well, as far as I'm concerned, it's the sick people that need a doctor. See, we get stuck in what we know. And we become immobile and immovable towards how we should be. Look at Jesus, he includes those we detest and becomes friends with those we judge. So on November 13th, 2011, the New York Times wrote this. William Aramony, who built United Way of America into one of the nation's premier charities but was forced out as president, and went to prison for six years for misusing funds to support a lavish lifestyle, and a teenage mistress died on Friday in Alexandria, Virginia, where he lived. He was 84. Now, when Bill was caught, his wife divorced him, and all of his friends deserted him, and all the politicians. This guy was so powerful, he could call the White House and get the president. Everybody deserted him. He would have been sitting at Levi's table. And right, everybody deserted. Somebody who knew Bill, someone who has faith in Jesus, contacted Bill and brought some friends with him to meet Bill. These friends all would have been sitting at one time at Levi's table. And they said to Bill, in essence, we want to tell you that how you can get through this is because... If you, if, you, if you really trust Jesus, he'll get you through this. And so we're going to help you get ready for prison. We're going to help you while you're in prison. And we're going to help you when you get out of prison, whatever you need. I had the privilege of, with a small group of guys sitting with Bill Aramony before he went to prison. And he told us a story. And then he said this. He said, you'd think that I'd be sad going to prison. But I've got to tell you, I'd gladly go to prison to understand what I know now about Jesus. And when Bill came out of prison until the day he died, he worked at bringing Jesus into places and situations most of us would avoid. Jesus radically changed his routine. So that we would understand this, Jesus then tells this story, this parable. He ties two of them together, and he says this. He told them this parable that no one tears a patch from a new garment and sews it on an old one. If he does, he will have torn the new garment, and patch from the new one will not match the old. And no one pours new wine into old wineskins, because if he does, the new wine will burst the skins, the wine will run out, and the wineskins will be ruined. No new wine must be poured into new wineskins. And no one, after drinking old wine, wants the new, for he says the old is better. So you've got your favorite shirt, Rick Graziano. You always dress nice. So you've got, a, you've got your, your shirt you like. You've got that, that old shirt that you've got broken in, but it's really, it's really nice, and you get a hole in it. Yeah, you got a hole in your really good shirt, the one that you really like. And, and, and so Kim goes out, because c- she doesn't want the shirt with the hole in it there, because she, you'll, you'll embarrass her. So she buys you a new shirt. Now what do you do? Wear the new shirt. No. Rick, you like the old shirt, just take the new shirt, cut a piece out of it, and patch it in the old shirt. Would you do that? Not if you're married to Cam. you won't. You say, well, that's just completely crazy, because even if you do, even if you patch up the old shirt with material from the new shirt that, that even when you clean it it, 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 it may it may shrink differently and it's not going to match up and it's not going to look good and you should have just worn the new shirt. In the first century, the way they carried wine was in a skin, an animal skin. Uh, that was much easier than anything else it could break so when they would transport it on, on horseback or... on Uh, on camel, that if they smashed against each other, it wouldn't break. And so it would be in a wine skin. So if we made fresh wine, we would take that wine skin that just was, was made, we'd pour the wine into it, and then the wine would ferment, and as it fermented, the skin would expand with it. And when we're done, we're done. You say, well, yeah, well, let's just keep the skin because that's really a good skin. So let's take new wine and pour it in that. No, you don't do that because if it ferments, which it will, and it will expand, what will happen to that skin? It'll burst because it's stretched as far as it will go. Jesus is saying, you say, okay, no big deal, I'll just drink the old wine, but I'm telling you, Jesus says, the new wine is better than the old. You gotta trust me. And... You cannot put that new wine in your old life because your old life has been stretched to its capacity. You need new wine skins. You need a new life because if we want Jesus' resurrection power to expand on our lives, then our lives must expand. Jesus is the wine. We are to present to Jesus... A new wineskin, a viability for every new day and every new moment. And I want you to hear me. That we should be so adaptable and changeable that when Jesus is pouring himself into us for a new situation and a new day, we should be in such a place that we'll expand no matter what it is, and we are ready to do that, not based on what we did before. We can't depend on previous experience. Lloyd-John Ogilvie says this, the lordship of Jesus can't be poured into the old skin of our settled personality structure. If you, if, you, if you ever say, Well, that's just the way I am, no, 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 you lazy bum. Jesus wants you changed. Oh, I'm sorry, I just got a bad temper. Well, then fix it. Uh, this, is, you know, this is the DNA of my family. We're Irish. We right? all get angry. No, you're Jesus, and he's not Irish. The Lordship of Jesus can't be poured into the old skin of our settled personality structure, our presuppositions about life, our prejudices about people, our plans for the future, and predetermined ideas of what he will do or how we will respond. You can't do that. Paul made it clear. He said this. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's what? A what? A new one not the old one with a patch, a new one. The old has what? Passed away. The new has come. I mean, look what he's doing for us right now. Look, 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 look. Jesus is reordering how we process life as we view it now. Jesus is doing that in us. He's healing our memories. He's issuing new values. He's giving us new missions. We've been given a new garment. Paul would say many times, put on the garment of Jesus. No, 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 no. Don't take the garment of Jesus and cut a piece out of it and stick it to your old life. You can't do that. That's being religious. I'll do what I want over here. I'll show up on Sunday morning and do my thing and maybe go work at the city mission and maybe give something to a charity. No, 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 that's patching. No, no, this is brand new. This is all Jesus. We can't just add Jesus to our old routine. We must be ready every day for a new opportunity. That alters our old routine. We go, oh, change. Yeah. Unless, unless you are exactly like Jesus right now, and how many are? Nobody. Nobody. then you got some changing to do. So how, how, do we, how do we process through that? And I want to give you today some very practical guidance, and, 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 I, and I'm stealing this from uh, Joel Delgado, who's a staff writer at the Florida International University in Miami, and he talks about six questions we need to ask when we're going through life change, and we need to go through life change, and all of us need to go through some change right now. So here are the six questions. First question is this. Where am I? Some of us sort of getting older ask that question all the time. (laughs) Sometimes I'll be driving down the road and go, Am I going south or north? I don't remember where I am. Where am I? We ask this question Jesus, is this where you want me to be financially? Because if it's not, then what am I doing? Is this the relationship that you want me in? Is this the job I should really have? I don't really like it. I don't love it, but it just gives me some security, but it just drives me crazy. Is is this the emotion that I want to live in the rest of my life that I'm always angry or I'm always bitter or I'm always sarcastic? Do I actually want to be this way? That people always tell me, smile, you look, so, you look so mean, you look so so sad. Do I want to live out that way? Where am I? i got to get honest and see. We go, I don't want to do that because if I do that, it means I have to change. Yeah, you're right. And you can stay the way you are, but it's not Jesus' intention. Where am I? Get honest. Journal it. Write it down, say. Because sometimes when you write it down, and go, oh, yeah, now I see it. It's real. Meet with a trusted friend and say, okay, I need to walk through this because I'm not really happy in these parts of my life. Look at your life. Because we always say, one day I'll change, one day I'll go, one day I'll do this, and, and we never do because we're too busy doing stuff we don't want to do. Do you really want, and that's another one, do you really want to be this busy? I don't know how not to be busy. Well, let's, let's figure it out. Where am I? Do I want to be this way? number two, What do I need to leave behind? What is the old wineskin? An old attitude, an old desire? A toxic relationship? An old habit? Maybe binge watching The Walking Dead while eating a pint of Chubby Hubby is not the thing you should do every day. Maybe you should change. But the deal is this, nothing changes if I don't change. You're really making me uncomfortable. Good. Number three, who do I want to be? And how will I get there? This is interesting because this morning I'm I'm upstairs in my routine walking around the building, and up on the second floor where the academy senior high is, I see these posters for colleges. And I remember being... The middle, I'm the middle child, and I just kind of coast with everything and make sure everything's okay. And, and I never really hunted colleges. My mom worked as, a, as the assistant to the dean and, at, at a Bible college, and I just I figured I'd go there. I never really tried to figure out who I wanted to be. I thought I'd go to, to college and, and get my degree and go be a youth pastor, which I never did except for one six-month interim, and I hated it. Because those people don't Listen. You can't reason with a, with a middle schooler. It's just, they're terrorists. <laughs> so so I would never, I'd never really had anybody sit down and go, what do you want to be? What do you really want to be? Who do I want to be and how will I get there? Now, we in Erie, Pennsylvania understand this, that seasons come and go. Some take a long time to go, but all seasons end, and so my question for you is, are you coming to an end of a season? How do I know that? Well, I want to tell you that if you're a follower of Jesus, Jesus helps us understand that. You know, I I talk to people, and they go, I just, I got this thing happening inside. There's this stirring inside that God's saying something's new coming around, or I just, I just feel, I feel like there's, like the, the nest is being, being disturbed, because there's these things where, where you walk with Jesus and you get those senses and because you're close enough to him, you begin to understand, oh, it's time for change. You say, Jesus, show me that change so it doesn't surprise you. On the flip side are those moments that we're not close enough to him or we don't want things to change because we don't want to be uncomfortable so we ignore him. And so you know what he does? He sends a crisis. See, if, if, you're, if you got laid off from GE, it may not be evil GE, it may be lovely Jesus saying, I got a new season for you. And it's the only way I could pry you loose because I love you this much that you can't stay there anymore. I got something new for you. Because I, I think what he does is that if there's a change, sometimes he changes the circumstance and sometimes he reinvents us in the present circumstance. So now, now that you recognize that, that there's a change who do you want to be? When you look to the end of that season, who do you want to be? Because you're not going to get there just by laying back and saying, okay, somehow I'll get there. You've got to make a plan. Who do you see over there? When you get through this, who do you see? What, is, what does she look like? What, you, what does he look like? What is that? Who are you? Oh, Jesus will just change me. Not if, no, 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 no. That's why people go to revival services. They just want, they want to get touched and fall over and come up a different person. No, you get touched and fall over. If it's Jesus, you're okay. If it's not Jesus, you're going to have a headache. But he still said, you've you got to do this. What's your plan? Talk to Jesus. Say, I need a plan. Talk to wise people around you and say, I need a plan. What do you want? I need a plan. I don't even know what I want. Well, then let them talk with you. That's why we have shape class to help you begin to understand who you are. Make a plan. And then you may need to go acquire a new skill. That's just not going to get on you. I tried that when I was in college. I never practiced piano, but I asked God to make me really good. And every time I went in for my lesson, she says, you haven't practiced. Well, Jesus will help me. No, no. Tell Jesus you got an F. So, do you need to go take a class? Do you, do you need to go grab a mentor? Figure out what you need and become that. You need a plan of action. And part of that is this, fourth question, where is there room for Growth. You see, the next season for you is not an escape. You know, if if only I had a better job, if only I had a better marriage, if I only went to a different school, if I only only had a better salary, if I only. The problem with that is you're going to get down the road and still be miserable because the issue is you, not the circumstance. And the next season needs greater maturity and understanding. So ask God and close friends to sit with you and go, how do I need to mature? What do I need to do? How do I need to change? And that's a, that's a loaded question because none of us want to hear someone say, you know, if you would... I mean, I asked a friend once, I, I said, because I was upset about something, and I said, you know, maybe I'm being a baby, but I think, and he just stopped me and said, yeah, you're being a baby. I said, I think we have a bad connection here because I think you just said I'm a baby. You are a baby. So we've got, if we're, if we're going to deal with the blind spots in our lives, we've got to have people who are honest enough and loving enough to say... I'm here with you, but this has got to change. Don't try to patch in new seasons into our old life. You've got to change. What needs to grow? And, and as you're doing this, fifth question, who do I want by my side? Well, who's with you now as you're entering into this new season, and who's fading and who's staying with you? Look for those people who have passion for Jesus and love to encourage but also lovingly hold accountable. And don't look for someone who is just just only for you. Look for somebody who is with you. See what's the difference? I I think of the story of the people who are who are out on a picnic in a park and they're all seated on, on blankets and enjoying their, their sandwiches and the family and suddenly out of the brush bolts this, this rabbit and it's running at full speed and right behind it is this mad dog, this, 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 this wild dog chasing it. And they're watching in fascination as the rabbit's dodging in between everybody and the dog is, is running. And about the time the dog gets to the rabbit, the rabbit makes a cut and the dog just skirts over to the side and then takes off and gains speed. And then the rabbit cuts again and they watch this thing back and forth and it got to the place that every time the dog almost got the rabbit and the rabbit turned, everybody would begin to applaud to cheer. And this went on and on and on and finally the rabbit ran by some folks and he yelled out to them, I appreciate the encouragement, but somebody please just shoot the dog. <laughs> yes, it's a true story. <laughs> I appreciate your encouragement that I'm going to make it, that I'm going to be mature, but I need someone to help me shoot the dog. Walk with me, not just cheer me. And sixth, and maybe one of the most important pieces what are my motivations? You see, that is the fuel that keeps us going when change becomes so tough and there's resistance and there's pain and and we're sore and, and, and it's tough. What's the motivation? It's the why. Why am I doing this? Paul the Apostle declared his, he said, his love, God's love, motivates me. It's that love that keeps me going that eventually he would die because of that faith, but it was the love of God that motivated him. What is the why? Why are you doing what you're doing? Because if you know the why, then when you don't feel like it early in the morning, you still get up and you open up the Holy Scripture to see what God's gonna to say to you and you pray and get that life breathed into you because that's your why You know why, and you need the presence of the Almighty to walk you through, so you get up early, even if you went to bed late. It's that why that after a long day at work, you still make it to the gym so that you get in shape. It's that why that keeps you up at night after you finally get the kids to bed, and you go in and you finish that online assignment that's due tomorrow. It's that why that keeps you away from that wrong way relationship. It's the why. So my question for us this morning is this. Are, is our life stuck at 8, 10 a.m.? Is that what we are? Don't even know why we're doing what we're doing and not even sure we like it. What, what, what is the passion in you right now that Jesus is trying to get through to you? What is the thing that you look at and go, I really would like to do that? What, what is that, that thing that you say, I, I think I'd like to try that, but I'm not sure, and I'm not sure I could risk that, or I'm not sure I'd want to pay the price to do that. What is that thing inside of you? You just can't keep sitting around. You just can't say, someday I'll change. You've got to change now. If you said, you know, one day I'm going to go to that person and ask forgiveness, what are you waiting for? Why destroy your life right now? When God has such great, great things ahead for you, why aren't you getting there? We're sitting in church on our blessed assurances. And we should be up, moving around in the passion that comes from the resurrection. That he's saying, I want to put you in places you never thought you'd go, and I want you to connect in relationship to people you never thought you'd meet, because I got plans for you. Emma decided she'd much rather be on a ship on the east coast of Africa than sitting in a kayak at Presque Isle. That would have been more comfortable because she knows us. But God said, oh, baby, I got stuff for you out there. You gotta go. Because when we do that, when we do that, we begin to understand what God wants for us. We begin to, to understand that where we go, because he said this, he said, look, here's what's gonna happen. I'm gonna I'm gonna send you when 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 that resurrection power is on you, as you are going to these places, I'm telling you that you should be and opening these opportunities for you in those places. There, I want you to let that resurrection power explode. Go there. Be that person. Let it come out of you. Then, then you know what it's like being alive. This whole, these whole weeks that we've been talking about, these parables comes down to this: Be alive. Do you pulsate with that? Do you pulsate with, with, with fresh vision? Do you pulsate with great passion? Or are you just stuck in the old place you were before? I'm going to ask the band to come up and join me. What, what's happening with you right now? What is it that God has for you and, and that you just haven't even listened I just had had a sense as, as I've been working this through this week that some of you, God needs to change your circumstance and some of you, he needs to reinvent you in your circumstance. But it's time that his resurrection power makes us different than we've been. It's time for our routine to change. And so my encouragement for you this week is this. Go through those six questions find a, a good friend to walk through with those or or if you're married you sit down with your, your spouse and walk through that. If, if you're engaged walk through that because you can figure out if you really, really want to love this person for the rest of your life. But let God change you because he so wants to make a difference in your life so I'm going to ask you to stand. And I'm going to ask you to do this. I'm, I'm going to ask you to to if you to take a little a faith step. And, and they're going to sing again uh, how we ended the worship this morning, the worship music with dry bones, which is really called Come Alive. And if you're ready for something new, if you're ready to be stirred to something new, if you're ready to say, okay, new wineskins, here we go. I'm, I'm going to put on Jesus and not keep trying to patch my old life with the new stuff. I just want the new stuff. If that's you, I'm going to invite you to just come up here in just a moment and just stand here as an expression of faith, saying, I'm ready. And then I want you to sing, breathe out the breath of God and, and dry bones, the parts of my life that have been dry. I, I, it's got to be new, brand new. New breath, resurrection power. And I'm ready for a change this week. And if you're somebody who says, I don't even have faith in Jesus, then I'm going to invite you to even come forward and just say, Jesus, I don't know how all this works, but but I'm going to put my faith in you and I'm going to ask you to forgive me for my sins that keep us separated. And then after service, just stop at the information desk and say, I'd like to talk to somebody more about having faith in Jesus and we'll help you out. So if if you'd like this morning to say, all right, I'm ready, new wineskin, whatever it takes, I, I, I'm going to change my routine. Just come stand with me right here because I'm one of the, I'm one of you today. I'm saying that you go. You all don't act excited? Put me back out here, okay? You got me? There we go. Are you excited? You look like you're coming to the gallows. What's up with that? Okay, I'm going to come. I'm not sure what he's going to do to me. Oh, he's going to make life great for you. You're going to find things you never thought you could do and be with people you never thought you'd connect with. You have no idea what he's got planned for you. So I'm going to invite Luke and the band to to lead us into singing. We're going to sing this through, and then I'm going to come back and pray over us.
1: Through the eyes of man, it seems there's so much we have lost. As we look down the road where all the prodigals have walked. And one by one, the enemy, he's whispered lies. Yours is the victory And we know there is more to come That we may not yet see So with the faith you've given us We step into the valley
0: journey now understand that deep down inside here that you were created to be blessed by God and to bless others in the process so starting next week I'm going to personally take you through three weeks of understanding how we bless God and how we bless each other and so I want you to be here because it's a continuation of what we're experiencing today So now let me pray a blessing over you. So may that insight and understanding that you received today by God's Spirit take root in you. That there would be no circumstance or attack of Satan himself that would uproot the joy, the hope, the courage that he's placed in you. May you begin to see even today the next steps you are to take. May he bring into your lives those who will walk with you. May you find great joy in the change that is taking place in you now. And may you understand as you walk with the Almighty the greatness that he has prepared for you to experience the greatness of his glory, the greatness of his love, the greatness of his guidance. And may you fall deeper in love with him and more powerful in your love for others. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. God bless you. Have a great week.